The whole world seems like it's falling apart, and that's actually by design. So rather than be afraid of everything falling apart, rather than try to hold it all together and keep your control, why not join the party of deconstructing reality? Today's guest is Tracy King, who's here to share lots of wisdom and insights with us into the way that these matrices, as we dissolve them, lead to other realizations about other matrices attached to those matrices that also need deconstructing and dissolving. And so join us to find out more. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. I am getting back in the swing of these episodes for 2023. And after my sacred pause, I mentioned to you guys last week and just really allowing myself to take a moment of breath because we are deconstructing so much reality. We are deconstructing everything we thought was true about our realities and realizing that so much of that was only true because we believed it or because we bought into the structures or because we were taught it or because it was handed down generation after generation after generation after generation because it was handed down generation after generation after generation after generation. It was in our cells of our bodies. And now we're realizing, oh, just because the body holds all that information from my ancestral inheritance doesn't mean that it's true. It just means it has been true. And now I have this opportunity to deconstruct it even more and then give my body a new instruction that my body can now carry forward as true as me. And what do I want to experience? <laughs> and what is more true than the last truth that I found before? And so as we go down these spirals, these rabbit holes, these tunnels, these twists, these turns, these ideas, even every single one of these deconstructions ends up with like probably a thousand little deconstructions inside the deconstruction, probably because this is a fractal universe, just guessing. And as we go down little spirals, there's more spirals that look exactly like those. And then we get to travel down those for a little while and find some more things. So how do we stay sane in all of this and keep deconstructing and maybe even build a new foundation for new earth, you know, which is what we're supposedly doing is like deconstructing the old and then heading into the nexus, you know, the void, the space between the birth canal, basically like the womb. What are we birthing? And then it's coming down the canal, you know, so what are we actually wanting to create? And I heard from somebody because today is like, March uh, 7th, and this is going to go out this weekend, 2023. And apparently all these astrology people I've been listening to lately are saying like from now through, because we had this full moon today, this massive full moon. And from now for like the next two months, it's really important to be careful what you're calling into being with your words. Fuck. So what do we want to deconstruct? What do we want to, what do we want to call in? Because apparently it's potent, potent time mm -hmm. for manifestation of new earth. So what a better person to have on the podcast today on this special full moon day than Tracy King from the Gritty Mystic. Welcome back, Tracy. I am so excited to be here. Good to see you. Oh, I'm excited to go down some rabbit tunnels with you. So 
Tracy, you guys, you know, she's been on the podcast before and the other episode is called The Gritty Mystic. So not too hard to find guys, but I will put a link (laughs) in the show notes just so you can find it. But just in case you forgot, she's an intuitive channel and transformational teacher. And she holds space for illuminating conversations like Soul Nectar Show for personal development that inspires divine breakthroughs. And her guests offer tips, tools, and techniques for becoming the most powerful and authentic you. And how do we do that? By deconstructing the not you. So we're going to have a conversation about that today because we were like, what should we talk about? What's up? What's in the space? Isn't this juicy? Tracy already. So juicy. There's so much. Oh, where do we begin? What's the doorway? Yeah. Where's the sacred rabbit hole? Which one do we want to go down? Well, you know, last time I was here, we talked about my deconstruction journey in fundamentalism. And I was sharing with you that as I moved through that journey and got deeper and deeper and essentially freer and freer, (laughs) (laughs) I realized that that was like leg one for me because that's not the only structure I had been indoctrinated into. Indoctrination isn't just for religion, Payballs. Oh my gosh. Religion is not the only way we've been indoctrinated? <laughs> I know. <laughs> How else? How else, Tracy? What else? What did you find underneath the deconstruction of your Christian experience? Well, I mean, as you dig into that process and realizing deconstruction is a questioning, a critical thinking lens on any structure so that you can evaluate, is this actually true? Is this for me or is it not? I'm going to set this aside. And then you're able to reconstruct what is wholesome, what is in alignment, what is supportive to you and who you are, your truth. Well, as I began to pull all of this apart, I just realized how intertwined that religion, that that point of view, that frame is with patriarchy, is with predatory capitalism is with misogyny and all forms of othering. Essentially, fundamentalism is an othering institution. (laughs) It defines who's in and who's out. And othering is inherently violent. And so I had to unpack the fact that it wasn't just a religion, a a God-based belief system I was unpacking, I was deconstructing, but all of these systems that are so pervasive in our culture that they have been basically invisible to us. We just operate within them. We just think, oh, we live in a capitalist society, so I guess corporations get to destroy the environment here. (laughs) Oh, we other people that do not look like us or whose experience we cannot relate to, they are essentially bad and we must control their bodies. We must incarcerate them. We must eject them from the spaces that we live in. And just realizing that there's so many more, as you said, spiral journeys in order to unpack what we have shoved into our subconscious, but those beliefs drive our behaviors. And and when we see the disruption, just look out your window. If you listen to any news, if it pops up on your feed, all of that disruption is a mirror to us of what wants to be seen and healed right now. And it's these systems that are crumbling that because so many people are awakening and willing to do this work of just really truthfully seeing, just really critically looking. So much more is possible for us now. Because in addition to like pulling down these unhealthy, predatory, just inhumane systems of being, we have the opportunity to collectively build something new and better. 
And that is, that's really the work. That's really what we're here to do. And we can either be in resistance to that or we can accelerate it by co-creating together. Yeah, so powerful what you're saying. I feel like my forays into anti-racism work, pro-equality, diversity, inclusion, as I would like to say it, is taught me a lot about even my own filters, like that I didn't even know were there, for example. And for me, as a white presenting woman, and I have Cherokee ancestry and people on the podcast know that, but that's not presenting. That's not what people see when they first see me. And so because of that, I operate from the privilege, you know, from the privileged position of the outgoing matrix. And what's interesting is that as part of that privilege matrix is this conditioning that says that my voice needs to be heard and respected and everything out there that's happening is happening about me in some way. And so I can comment on it if I don't like what somebody else is saying, because I can tell them, hey, that's not okay with me that you're saying that. And that's all making it about me, which is entitlement. And the as definition. I, the definition. <laughs> and, and as I've woken up to this, I've been like, oh, because what's underneath all of that matrix of the external behavior is the inner, I don't feel like I'm being heard. I don't feel mm. like I'm respected. I don't feel like I'm wanted here. I don't feel like you're listening to me. And so I'm going to say it louder. So like it's all based in deep, deep insecurity of self-worth and belonging from the privileged position in my perspective. And what what I've noticed on people who are not in the privileged position brown and black people that have had a different experience of this matrix we're now deconstructing is that their position in this matrix has caused them to unify much Mm -hmm. more with each other than maybe people of the predominant caste have unified with each other. So it's really, and, and having that deep security of self, right? Like as a primary teaching in their upbringing, like you are this deep security. Nobody else needs to validate you. You validate you. Whereas in the privileged position of the caste, we're all needing external validation. And so one of our things to overcome is external validation so that we no Mm -hmm. longer need anybody to validate us because we're so dependent on it, like likes and social shares. And we'll do anything to get it, including go naked on the social media to get likes. Yeah. I mean, this is why white supremacy is throwing a tantrum right now, because this is another one of those indoctrinations that's tightly wound up with fundamentalist evangelicalism in in America. It's not the only thing. I mean, colonialism itself is very much a white supremacy tool. But, you know, like you mentioned, there's the externalization because white supremacy says, I must maintain my power center and I must control everyone else. It is a power-hungry institution, and it's not power for everyone. That is such a lie that it tells that individualism, the American dream, pull pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of a stuff. It says it, but doesn't mean it, because power is reserved for the few in white supremacy, and, and not just for white people. It's like a few white people. <laughs> you know, it's not for everybody. And so there are all of these things under the hood of it. Like you mentioned, there's externalize where you receive validation because 
you should look to me to validate you, the power structure. Externalize how you eat, what food sources are appropriate, what you should wear, how you should look, how your body must be, how, you know, what color your skin must be, what religion you must practice. All of that is externalized to this power center because it can use that to manage behaviors in in its favor, which are, you know, commercial, it's making money, it's a wealth center. And so when you start to be to look into that and be like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and as just, you know, I am also a white presenting person. And, you know, before I went down the journey of understanding gender as a social construct and kind of released my feminine presenting masking self, I had feminine privilege too. White woman privilege is a real thing that's not acknowledged nearly enough in communities of white people. And because of this, our abilities to connect are eroded. Because of this, all of this externalization, not rooting and anchoring in our soul self, not authentically connecting with people and truly building community, as we see in our BIPOC communities, is completely different quality, right? And white people talk about being hungry for community, but we have destroyed that by forcing ourselves into this individualism religion that I it's a zero-sum game. I'm in it for myself. Damn the rest, y'all. I'm going to get my gittins, <laughs> you know, instead of realizing we're here to co-create, folks, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, whew, there's so much. There's so much there. Everybody take a breath. Here we go. <sighs> Let's take another breath, everybody. It's okay. You're safe. You are safe. We're pulling back the veil on some stuff, and you're safe. Just take a breath. Let's let the love in. Let's let the love and the truth in. Because that's why we have these conversations. We, we're welcoming more love, more unity, more connection. You know, years ago, Tracy, I had one of my big awakenings around this. Uh, white supremacy, colonialist, capitalist, king of the world idea. That, you know, we know how to live better than anybody else. That's why we're a first world nation and they're all third world nations because they don't know how to live correctly. And we know how to live the best. And they're just, they're just to follow, they have to scramble to keep up with us because we're so superior. Look at us, mm-hmm. our economy, our road systems, our all these external ways. Like, sure, it's nice having roads you can drive on, right? That's cool. But with everybody sequestered in their homes, it tends to be a hollow victory, especially when your family starts disintegrating and falling apart because you're after more and more and more and more and more because you're working all these hours and you don't have time to spend with your family because you're out after the holy grail that doesn't exist. And you're trying to goal after goal after goal after goal, make some goal happen so that you can be successful and feel good about yourself because you have this external validation or you have three letters after your name. And after you've got like 15, three letters after your name, is that enough? No. <laughs> is no, that enough? Not according to capitalism. Nope. Individualism. So, I mean, more, I remember more. this more and more and more. So, and I even, I do this too, because I'm like more students, more students. I want to wake up more people. Anyway, I also face this within myself and my husband and I chuckle about it because <laughs> he has the brown skin, black skin perspective. So <laughs> he's like, you know, you're doing that thing right now. I'm like, oh, dang it. Doing it again. I'm doing it again. <laughs> so now I just go, it's a program and I'm extricating myself from it. It's not about yeah. me. And that's, this is where I think, I'll, so I want to go back to my story because there's so many tangents, but I remember going to Peru, going to, on journey with uh, Alberto Vialdo to the, uh, the Four Winds to a sacred pilgrimage in Peru. And we were 
walking through this town that, you know, that has basically dirt roads and things like that leading up to a sacred location that we were going to do some ceremony with the shamans. And we're walking down this dirt road and we're passing by this woman's house and her house is in, like right next to the road. And Alberto goes to talk to her for a second and she nods and she says, yes. And so he says, this woman's going to let you guys take a look at her house. And we walked to her house and her house is made of mud bricks and it's like 10 by 15, maybe. It's got a bed in one side. It's got a table in the center and it's got a kitchen on the right. And the whole family lives in there together, like five, six people in this one room. And I had this realization of the look of joy in her face. Like she was so happy and so grounded and so fulfilled and loving her family. And like, there was just obvious love in the space. And I, in comparing that, I was like, oh, that's a love plentitude. And I've got a love deficiency because I'm here to fix myself. And I'm looking at my outfit and my REI backpack and my hiking boots and my expensive hiking pants and shirts and everything that tally up to about the cost of her house. Who's in poverty? Right. In that moment, I knew it was me. I was the one in poverty, not this woman. This woman's fine. She's happy. She's at peace. She's connected. And it was a, such a wake-up call, Tracy, because I was like, this whole system is BS. It doesn't lead to happiness. Right. It's not meant for our happiness. But that doesn't mean we can't access our happiness. That mean, doesn't mean that we can't anchor into the truth of who we are, that we can't live from that soul self point of view, because that is possible. And as soon as we dig into that work, we start to see the interconnectivity that we have with everyone and everything. And it just shifts how we look at all of these systems. And so it can feel really messy. It is really messy when we start unpacking all of this stuff, stuff that's gone unseen for so long, for so many, it's quite quite literally seen by <laughs> a lot of people who've been oppressed by these systems. But we shouldn't fear the messiness. The messiness is okay. There is always chaos at the beginning of creativity and we are creator beings there's always going to be a coming apart before a building something we prefer and that's the moment we're in and so i'm actually excited about it it is really messy and i'm deep into it but i'm actually really excited about it because i can see from that shifted perspective what is actually possible the more people gather around the thought that we can create something better. That, that is actually taking care of everybody. Yes. And not just flip the matrix and have, because this is a great fear of white people, right? It's like, oh no, the black and brown people are going to outnumber the white people now. And then they're going to do the same mm -hmm. thing to us that we did to them. And here's what I want to say. They learned from that experience that they would never treat other people that way. Ever. It's not about that wake up. Yeah. And like examine the source of that fear, right? Yeah. It's like, you're going to take from me because I took from you. It's like, when you finally acknowledge that you've been taking, I mean, because that's an <laughs> acknowledgement, right? That's like, that's actually, you're acknowledging that you took. Yes. So if you're so afraid of it, that they're going to do the same thing to us, you're acknowledging that you did horrible things to other, not you maybe, but your ancestors, or maybe you too, who knows? 
And now guess what? You get to change. You get to stop. Right. And, you know, here's another little ripple. I was adding to the stream here, the little pond, because it's already all messy. Let's do it some more. Is that when you really get that we're infinite souls and we have multiple lifetimes, you kind of also get that we've experienced all the sides of the coin, right? I mean, every single one of us have gone through being the enslaved person, being the person that was burned at the stake, being the person that was pun- that was doing the punishing, being the person that was that was doing the enslaving. Like we've all had those lifetime experiences, every single one of us. And we landed in this life to heal all of human history, which seems a lot, <laughs> from this one body. From this one body, but with the understanding that we can connect to the infinite wisdom of our greater self that that's available to us. And so all of those learnings, all of the learnings from this life, parallel lives, other lives, all of that happening in this now moment is accessible to us. And so the pain of oppression crescendos in each of us. It does not matter what your intersectionality is in this life. And even if you're one who is who's not like totally digging the past lives, it doesn't matter because we're a collective, we're inherently connected oppression crescendos and ripples and crashes upon all of us, we all suffer from it. And so when we realize, uh, even though I have not perhaps intentionally tried to oppress or hurt someone, I inherently was enrolled in a system that has given me privilege, given me a head start. And I can do something about allowing everyone to participate on equal footing, an an equitable framework for this life. And that's something that we, we honestly, we really have to fight for because our wellness is bound up in one another. There are authors that I can't remember the name of the author now who said, my freedom is tied to your freedom. But if we just, you know, if we don't even go that big, we're not even thinking about freedom. We're just thinking about my well-being can I honestly be well? Can I have well-being if others are suffering, if others are oppressed? If at CPAC, a speaker is calling for the eradication of trans people in our society, can I be well when other people are fearing for their lives? When women are losing their bodily attack, can I have well-being when there's inequity? and oppression in our world. And confronting ourselves with that question doesn't have to be scary. Be empowered in the asking of hard questions because questions are doorways into new ways of being. And it's okay if we don't have all of the answers right away. It's okay for us to not understand every single piece and part of it, but we all play a role in how these systems play out for our collective. And so it's, yeah, I, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, me too. We're at a, t- a turning point, right? Yeah, we are. We're at this new, we're, we're building new earth one step at a time, one choice at a time, one decision at a time, one realization at a time. That's, we're building it one realization at a time. And so yeah. each one of us is integral to the building of new earth. And we're not simply going to do some, well, let's just say we got to go all the way. Yesterday, and I do recommend people watch this movie because it's just so illuminating about everything we've been talking about. It's called The Triangle of Sadness. And I don't know, I was called to watch this movie and it's recent and it 
it starts with the modeling industry and the fashion industry and like the cool people and how they put the cool faces on with the cool clothes. And then the rich people with their big old boat, that's millions of dollars to, to take a cruise or some crap like that. And then they get shipwrecked. And then the only one that knows how to hunt and fish is one of the people that used to live on the bottom of the boat is a server who has brown skin. And then she decides she has the upper hand now. It's like, oh, well, now I'm the captain because (laughs) over there, I'm the toilet washer on that ship, but I'm the captain here, you know? And then at the very end, they realize, and this is like a spoiler, but they realize that they're really close to a resort, actually. So back into the white matrix. And it's like, what now? And then the, the, the white model's like, well, I'll make you my assistant. Oh, that's not the point. So I was telling my, I was talking with my very chocolatey husband, <laughs> all things chocolate, last night and, and about this. He, we, he watched the last half of the movie with me. He didn't see the first part. And I was like, that is the problem, is that white privilege is wanting to keep your spot and like lift somebody, will lift them up while keeping my spot. And so this isn't really about dismantling yourself down to like, you know, you're not, you know, like you're losing all your self-worth or all your, what it's not about no. shutting your voice mm-hmm. down or subjugating yourself or any of that. But it's also, you got to change the dream. The dream has been that, this is my take on the dream. And I think the movie does a really excellent job at illustrating is that the dream is like, this planet is for white people to fulfill their greatest fantasies with brown and black people supporting caste. Yeah. And what I'm saying is now we go to the true metaphor, which uh, Don, Don Miguel Ruiz talks about in The Four Agreements, which is that every person is a star of their movie. Yes. Every single person is a star of their own movie. Everybody else is supporting cast in that person's movie. And so... Now, but that brings self-responsibility too, because every person gets to face their own four agreements and their own spider medicine story about how they've been spinning the web of their life and their existence in order so that they can be the hero of their journey and actually fulfill what it is that their heart's calling for, that every single person is responsible for that deconstruction of the matrix that lives within them that said that this is how life is. So we can't, like, there's not just one person that does it or one group of people that does it. Everybody does it. And everybody sees something from different lenses. And we're Mm -hmm. all, we've all been contributing to this story. We've Mm -hmm. all been contributing to this collective story. So now we got to rewrite that. Right. I mean, where does hierarchy exist in your life? Everywhere there are hierarchies in your life. That is a man-made system that benefits only those at the top of the hierarchy. So if we're ever in a place where we're like, well, I'm not as good as that, but I'm better than that. We're in a hierarchy <laughs> and we're playing a game, a very dangerous, destructive, inhumane game, a planet destroying game because the planet is low in our hierarchy right now. And if we just can see where we're participating in that, we can start to dismantle that because why would we have an intrinsic need to be better than anyone. If we're connected to the truth of who we are, better doesn't exist. We all are. We all are inherent worthiness, inherent wholeness. We are inherently wise, massive, multidimensional creator beings. Why would we ever need to top someone? Why would we ever ever need the 
good, better, best, right? And so hierarchies is it's that's one lens where we can start to detect where these systems ha- are kind of operating underneath our consciousness level. And I think also beyond hierarchy, even into like definitions of what is acceptable behavior. Like that, even that word acceptable is such a part of this matrix. It's like, oh, well, that's not acceptable. This movie has tons of that in there. It's like, oh, that's not acceptable. And it was interesting because once they got marooned, they were having to come up with their whole new system of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And it was like how they were co-creating what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. It's like, <laughs> is it is it not acceptable? I mean, I remember years ago that I realized that I had been stuffing my feelings and I ended up with this huge cyst on my right ovary that they had to take out. And it was as big as a Texas grapefruit because I wouldn't let myself be angry. Mm. And so it had to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I learned from that. And I got my first, uh, one of my first teachers, Heather Ashmar, she's like, it's okay to roar like a lion, like roar, get it out. And so I started roaring in my house, like, and my kids were like, what? You know, they were scared. (laughs) But I told them, I said, I'm only getting the energy out because I'm feeling so angry and I just need to get the energy out rather than like project it on anybody. I just want to roar. And Mm -hmm. now my kid learned that. And so now he's in an apartment situation and he, it was doing it. And now they're like, he's like, I'm not doing anything wrong, mom. And I'm like, oh God, how can I explain this to you? No, you're not. You're not doing anything wrong. And society hasn't caught up with us. It's okay to roar. If you need to roar, roar, you know, but we're so, everyone is so vanilla, mm-hmm. tepid, mm-hmm. flatlined. Yeah. The, the policing of appropriate, right? All of this is top of the hierarchy, controlling behavior and bodies for its own benefit. Because if, if appropriate has nothing to do with committing violence against another beautiful part of creation, person, animal, rock, or lake, you know, whatever it may be, who cares what someone is wearing, how someone talks, who they love, who they love, you know, none of it matters. What modifications they want to make to their bodies. Exactly. What, why do you think you need to control that? You just don't, you just don't. And so examining that is a really important part of what we're doing right now is where am I trying to control others way of being? If they're anchored in who they are, if they're living their authentic truth out loud, why do I think I have any domain in there? Why do I I think I know what's better? Why do I think I know what's better? (laughs) Why do I think I know what's better for somebody else's journey? A really good question everybody could be asking themselves. Why do I think I know what's better for that person? Right. I'm not even in their skin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, one way to address this work is the stronger your anchor is in your own truth, in your own soul self, your essential self, your multidimensional you-ness, however you want to describe it, the more you drop into that, the less you naturally want to participate in those kinds of conversations, the more you see just how ridiculous it is. And the more we transform ourselves in that way from living from that centeredness, the more people around us transform too. They they just can't not because there's something so qualitatively different about a person who is just anchored in that truth of who they are and operating from that space without all of the I ha- shoulds and I have to conform in all of these different ways in order to 
get the likes, as you said, to be appropriate, quote unquote, to fit whatever norms, what's normal? <laughs> Who's defining Someone define that normal? for you. I mean, exactly. who who is the expert on normal? Exactly. It doesn't exactly. exist. It doesn't, so if it did, we're changing it, right? Because normal yeah. up until now has meant a lot of people being disenfranchised from who they're yes. authentically called to be. Exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, taking this from the neurodivergent point of view, there's a huge conversation happening right now around just how research has failed people who are neurodivergent. And the neurodivergent umbrella includes people with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, Tourette's. Sometimes people include epilepsy, people with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a lot of people that fall under the umbrella of neurodivergent, which is they have a more highly sensitive nervous system and highly connected brain. It's different brain, different neurostructure. And neurodiverse people represent about 20 to 30% of the population. And yet the other 70, 80% of the population has designed a world that is incongruent with a neurodivergence person's way of being. And so neurodivergent people are just people. They aren't disabled people, but the environment that does not allow them to be who they are is disabling. And this is just one way to look at this problem that we have when someone defines how everyone has to be. And we're in this space now where when we, where so many more people are connecting to that truth of self, that they realize that these weird constructed ways of being are just distortions of what's actually possible and what we actually feel is true for us. And the more people that walk that out into the world, the more people see what's possible for them as well. And so when we're talking about like, how can we attack this massive problem I alone cannot solve? Well, you start with anchoring into that profound, still, infinitely wise part of yourself and connecting with others who are doing that same work. And suddenly the path forward becomes just the next step, right? It becomes a way of seeing and being that is inclusive and believes in everyone's inherent wholeness. Yeah. And that is respectful of the person being inherently designed that way. And there's nothing wrong. It doesn't need to be fixed. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be medicated. Right. You know, to make them shut them off from their true nature so that everybody, the 80% can feel more comfortable. That's what it's about. That's what medication is is about. It's It's about comforting everybody else. (laughs) How can I perform to the standards that do not apply to my way of being so that everyone else can feel comfortable? Can stay in their comfort zone. (laughs) So that well, I can stay employed, right? Yeah, I That's can stay employed. Kind of I can stay in my family yeah. system. They won't kick me out, or because you know I'm a sensitive, and and I'm an emotional processor, and I didn't know what was happening because there's no training on it. I, I'm 53. It's only recent that people understand this stuff, and it's like I became the reason why everybody else was tense, but. It's not true because as an emotional sensitive, I could pick up on the energy of everybody else in the room. They just weren't expressing, they were repressing. And so I know what's going on in the space because I can feel it in my body because I'm super sensitive. I can feel that. (laughs) And if you don't have a way to express it, you get sick. Like I got sick having that cyst on my ovary that could have killed me because 
there was no training about how to um, help for people that are sensitive at that time. It, so, but this is all part of the second wave, right? It's part of the first wave and the second wave because we're changing the model. We're having a more sensitive human being that is able to feel, perceive, interact with life in a different way, sense, and mm-hmm. um, not all just mental. Eagle and the condor, yeah. right? Like not just mental. We're moving beyond mental. So all the humans that are like mental design are probably just like, I don't even know how to relate to this because I'm not having that experience. That's okay. We are, and we're proliferating. So if the planet is going to change, we're having a new model. This is the new model. It's the feeling, sensing, divine, inner being model. It's coming in. For sure. The the amount of people who are expressing connecting with, growing into, leaning into that sensitivity is really important. I think ultimately the the wisdom, <laughs> the knowing and thinking can integrate with the sensing because the sensing is just, it's additional data. There's so much additional data that we just aren't paying attention to because we can't see it with our two eyeballs because <laughs> it's not in a, like a book or on a webpage. <laughs> You know? but plus, because it was cut off, right, by the church, by yes. the church. Because the church Absolutely. made it bad to know these things in your body. Absolutely. The church made your body shameful and bad and stay away from it. How can you stay away from it? You're in it. <laughs> but judge it, shame it, get as far away from it as you can, distract from it, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. it has a lot of answers in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I love the just all of the myriad of ways people are exploring and experimenting with what is readily available right inside of their body with all of their senses. And it's not a, oh, they're intuitive or, oh, they have psychic gifts. It's like, no, we have access to so much more information than we ever realized was possible. And the more you use that, the more it grows. You feel confident in it, the more you receive. Because it's less about developing a gift and more about no longer restricting your gift, getting out of the way of your gift, allowing your gifts to flow. And when I say gifts, I'm just like your incarnated body. (laughs) It's like your Your systems, your bodies, right? (laughs) That come just part of the off the shelf package of being, you know, incarnated in this day right now. And so, so much is available for us to tap into and the willingness to just play with it. You'll notice how much more is possible. Yeah. And when you notice people are having conversations just out of the blue, just like drop right in and understand each other. And you're like, how do they, they don't even know each other. How are they? That's because they're connected. Mm-hmm. They went into their bodies and they got connected with their intuition. They got connected with the yes. planet. And then now they don't, they just know that person because they know. And they can just start having the conversation because everyone's getting the same download. So if you're not doing that at this point, you're confused. And that's okay. Lean in. Open it up. Every It's available for everybody that chooses it. And it's not going to be yeah. given to anybody. Everybody has to unlock it for themselves. So this is the work, right? Deconstructing your reality. Oh, gosh, what a great conversation. Tracy, I knew it was going to be hot. <laughs> so... <laughs> Besides checking out your podcast, is there anything else that you like to direct people towards as a way to get to know you better and this work that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely stop by grittymystic.com. If you're interested in connecting more, anchoring more into that soul self part of you, um, that's the work that I do. I facilitate that with people. 
And um, right now I'm calling it transformational coaching, but really it's healing. It really, it's the journey. It's the work and it's just starts where you are. And so I'm just really excited to partner with people in that way. Well, you're an awesome individual. I always loved you since the first moment I met you. So, <laughs> so glad, Soul Sister. Uh, so if you guys really liked this episode, please share it out, you know, with anyone that you feel would benefit from it or be open to it. And uh, like, share, subscribe, all the good things. So we get the message out there. And I'm just gonna, oh, I just one more plug for you guys. My new book is coming out, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. It's coming out on April 22nd, Earth Day. So check out my website on that one, carriehummingbird.com forward slash inner medicine and, uh, you know, get your pre-order. And okay, here come your kisses, everybody. Kisses, kisses, kisses. You want to give kisses, Tracy? We love you. We yeah. love you. Here come your kisses. <laughs> it's a reward for staying all the way to the end. We love you. We'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are